Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Mark chapter 6, we're going to come around the Word of God in verse 30 through to verse 44. We're going to look at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's a famous story, and I want us to look at some things that we can glean from this scripture today. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Boy, I wish I could do that sometimes. Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, verse 37, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, Jesus said. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate. And was satisfied. Amen. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Wow. Wow. And that's not including the women and children. What a miracle from five loaves and two fish. I want to look at this story today because this is actually a very supernatural story. If you think Jesus is supernatural, then you read stories like this, the fact that he can multiply food, grow something from an offering that comes in of five loaves and two fish. And I want to talk today about multiplication and growth, not just in the church. In fact, actually, the the key is that when we do double services here, the whole point of it is to grow the church, not just to get together twice, but it's actually to grow the church. I believe God's heart for us is to multiply and to grow. It's to expand and to be bigger. And that's not just so we become some mega church, but we have to make sure that we're always seeking after souls. 
It's key. It's God's heart. And I believe this story shows us that God, Jesus, as he operates in that place at that time, that with the small offering he receives, he's able to multiply. But I believe that supernatural intervention also requires our inclusion as well. It needs us as well to see multiplication and increase. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, right at the very beginning, it says this, God blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, the very heart of God has always been from the very beginning to multiply, to increase, to produce of the same kind. And it's our duty as a church to make sure that we produce and duplicate and expand as people. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just see me speaking and preaching all the time. I want to see others released and built up so that you also can become teachers. You can also become ministers of the word. You can also become worship leaders. People will expand their capabilities. If it's about me, then that's not right. It needs to be about every single person finding their path, finding what you have and what you can use, and not just saying, this is what I've got, but actually expanding on it. I believe that God is in the business still today of supernatural increase, multiplication, expansion, increasing in number. God still in that business. He wants to increase this church and expand it. I believe we've been seeing that. I believe we're in a season right now. We're seeing God do some amazing things. We're seeing God increase this church. But do you know what? The only way this church will increase and expand is if you grow and expand yourself. It's the only way. It's not about me just saying we need to do another service, but it's about you individually growing in Christ. Supernatural multiplication is going to come, but it's not just God at work. It's not just God at work. It's ourselves with God. We work together with God to produce growth and multiplication. The title of my message today is this, Growing in God. Growing in God. I don't know about you, but when I get to the start of a new year, I always... I contemplate and think about what I want to do and, and achieve. And I used to, in my job for many years, my boss would schedule into the diary. I've done this with Joe next week. Scheduling an annual review. She's got an annual review next week. But I, I, I used to have these every year. And, and, and every time I'd sit, we'd look through what we've achieved. And then we'd say, you know, what kind of things do we want to look at doing again? I believe it's important to look at what you you did and sometimes what we failed on, not that we failed much, but actually seeing where we can change things. But it's also good to look at what we can do and how we can expand and grow. And I believe that some of us need to look at our lives and take an annual review. And say, do you know what, God? I want to grow. I want to do these kind of things. It's time to grow up, isn't it, in God? Growing in God. Number one today, what? does it require from us to grow in God? Now listen, it's not something that supernaturally happens that you just come to church and in the presence of God, you just start to grow. 
that you come and you sit here every week. I'm afraid to tell you that you can't just come here, sit here, listen to the word. You can't just come and worship God, come to the prayer meetings, make sure you tick all the boxes and assume that you're going to grow. It takes more than that. Number one, it requires our action. It doesn't just require sitting in a seat. That's why I'm a great believer in a church that we need to be as a church, a church in action. Doing something, not just sitting here. It requires action. I put here, if we want to grow, then we need to be doers of the word, not waiters of the blessings. I meet so many people that like to wait for the blessings to come. I believe in blessings, but we need to be doers of the word of God. Doers of the word. What do we see here, first of all, in this story? The people who were hanging around with Jesus, who saw this amazing miracle. He says this, before this happens, verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. In other words, before anything happens, these guys who are hanging around with Jesus are already doing things. They've been taught off Jesus and now they're already going around doing things. He says they reported to him. In other words, they got together with Jesus and they said, Jesus, we want to, I know you're telling us lots of things and we're receiving, we're receiving the word when we hang around with you, but can you just listen to us for a moment? We want to report to you what we've been doing. How many of us sometimes get fat on the word of God, we come and listen to it, but we don't ever have any stories to tell of what we're doing with the word of God. They said, Jesus, hang on a minute, can we talk to you and tell you what we've been doing with what you've taught us? A report. How many of you like reports? The other night I had to go on, on Friday night. It was in the diary. It was scheduled. I had to go to a beaver's sleepover in a church. I got there. They said to me, this is your room. They showed me the room where I had to sleep in a sleeping bag on the cold floor. It was freezing cold. Oh, boy. I'm still feeling it now. They said, this is your room. There was no ensuite. The kids were screaming. I went to bed at half midnight and they woke up at half past five. Then I had to make bacon for them all. And I was in this church and when we were there that night, they said, we've got a task for you. Before you go to bed tonight, we want to send you on a, a, mid, on a night hike around the town. It was an hour and a half to hike around Cambridge with these kids. They broke us all up into groups. So I'm walking around Cambridge and they said, but when you go, you need to make sure you make a report and tell us because we want to see photo documentation of every place you've been to. So as I'm walking around, I'm trying to look after seven kids, which for me is very hard. I'm just not geared for that. We were walking through the center of town, freezing cold, raining. And every place I'm reading this sheet of paper that's getting wetter, trying to look at the instructions saying you need to go to this phone box. There's a clue there. But when you get there, take a photo of the phone box. We want to see the photo. And I, I was so stressed trying to get all the documentation to report back. The reason why they wanted it is to know that we've actually done it. Now, God, he knows what we're doing. But it's important that we actually have something to report back. That actually that we have something to say about what we are doing. In fact, actually just before this, 
That was in verse 30. Just before this, in Mark 6, verse 12, it says this. It actually tells us what these guys were already doing. He says, they went out and preached that the people should repent. First of all, they preached. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. In other words, these guys already, we know what they're doing. Before they report back to Jesus. They're going around, driving out demons out of people and healing people. There is a call on our lives today to do something with the word of God. And in the generation we're living in, in this confused generation, I want to remind you again today, we've not become stagnant by saying, oh, we've tried that, we've gone to the streets, we've, we've tried to pray for people. Listen to me. We need to stir up our faith again and put into action the word of God so that when we go and see the results, that we will see people come to the church. We will see the fruit of our labor. So many times the enemy is going to come to you and say, well, we've tried that. It doesn't work. I've gone out and it was tough, hard work. Listen to me. We need to start coming back with some good reports. It's time to put the word into action again. Before they saw the multiplication that they saw Jesus do, they acted first. In other words, these were people who acted on the word of God. And these were the people that saw the multiplication miracle. God's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. I know when I was younger, the difference between me and some of my cousins who love football is that they went to the football matches and they used to buy the season ticket. They went to every single match. I bought the shirt. I just looked like them, but I wasn't prepared to pay the price because I, was, I wasn't really a follower. I was just someone who hung around and tried to show that I liked it. Sometimes we've got to look at ourselves and say, are we truly following Jesus? To follow him is to do what he says. The disciples didn't just follow Jesus geographically. You see, they were, we see in this story, they, they, they're traveling. They're saying, we're going to go to this remote place. They didn't just follow Jesus geographically, but they followed him practically as well. And some of us today, what we do is this. We say, I'm going to go to the place where revivals are happening. I'm going to catch a plane. I'm going to go to this side of the world. That's where it's all happening at the moment. I'm going to get into the presence of God. I'm going to go there. And we go geographically where Jesus is moving around. But actually, sometimes what we've got to do is practically do something. Because what you'll see is revival begins to happen right there where you're at. You don't have to pay for a plane ticket. The amount of people I see buying plane tickets to the other side of the world when they see God moving. That's fine. That's great. And I've, I've been there. But listen to me. You can have the same experience because the same Holy Spirit resides in you. And the moment you don't believe that, the moment you've lost your perception of who God is. He's here today. Don't believe the hype. He's here right now inside every single believer. The potential is amazing. But some of us, you know, we want it quick. Jesus asked us to go. Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Give authority to us to go and make disciples of all nations. I want to ask you today, when's the last time that you went When's the last time that you went and did something for Christ? The Bible talks about, in Hebrews 5 verse 11, the writer talks about the development of a believer. 
the growth of a believer. In other words, he's quite frustrated because what he's saying is the believers in Hebrews 5.11 when he's writing, he's saying in the King James Version it says they were dull of hearing. In other words, they weren't growing. He talks about milk and meat. In other words, you can keep drinking milk. And if you keep drinking milk, it gets good quality fat milk. But actually, what you need is the meat. And the meat of the word is what we see in John chapter 4 when Jesus does the will of his father. He says, this is the meat. My nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. In other words, the meat is putting into action the milk. If you keep receiving milk, you'll get really fat. You've got to exercise as well. You've got to do something with it. I remember when our little boys were growing up, I remember we had the chair and waiting for them to move to solid foods. They can't stay on milk forever. I couldn't wait for the day when they started eating solid foods. And then when the solid foods started to dry up on my carpet, I wish they were back on the milk again. You know what it's like, all you people with babies. We, were, we couldn't wait. We put the chair there at the end of the table at four months waiting for the... He said on the box at six months they can use this. I'm waiting for six months to come because I want my child to start eating solids. Listen, it's natural for us to move from milk to solids. And some of us today, I believe this year, you've got to start... If you want to grow in Christ, it's not just sitting. It's doing and putting into action the word of God. I remember when I was younger, I had this little greenhouse. My granddad built it for me, and I used to love gardening. And I'd go in this greenhouse, and I'd plant these little plants and all kinds of things like that. And I remember seeing in the shops, I used to go and spend my spending money buying things for uh, the plants and seeds and stuff like that. And I remember seeing on the shelves miracle grow, thinking if I use that, my things will go a lot quicker. And some of us today, what we think is what we need for God to grow us is a miracle. We need his power just to come and touch us and then we'll just advance in the kingdom of God this year. Listen to me, it's not, that's not the way it works. It doesn't work by putting miracle grow on us. We have to do something. There's work to be done. I put that the Bible is not a survival guide, but it's a guide to revival. Some people treat the Bible like it's a survival guide. They treat it like I'm just trying to get through life. I'm going to read the word of God and I'm not going to put it into action. It's just getting me through. It's, it's just making me feel a bit better every time I read it. Listen, the Bible, the word of God was never intended for you to be a survival guide so that you survive each day. It's a guide to revival. In other words, it should revive your circumstances. It should apply to your life and bring life into it. It's not just to scratch the itch and make it feel a bit better. The word of God is like a double-edged sword. When it gets into your life and you apply it and you act on it, it will work into the very sinews of your heart and you'll begin to see that God will do great and mighty works in your life. James 1 verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other, in other words, do what it says on the tin. I've put many things in the microwave and put them in far too long because I didn't read the instructions. We need to do what it says. Put it into action. Number two today, God requires our devotion. If you want to grow, yes, we need to act 
and begin to say, I'm going to actually do this. I'm not just going to be a sitter for the blessings, but also we need to make sure we spend time with God in devotion. You see, when you spend time with him, that's when you grow. It's the best place that you're going to water yourself. Did you know that? Some of us want to go to conferences, read more books this year. You've probably got them all lined up, ready for what you want to do, what you want to see. But listen to me, all these things are excellent. But the best thing that you can set your mind to this year is to spend time with Jesus Christ. Is to get into that place where you spend time listening, even if you don't know what to say to him. Just listen. God requires our devotion. Let's look at the people who who were hanging around with Jesus who saw this multiplication miracle. Verse 31, Mark 6 says, because so many people were coming, these are the people that are going to get fed and going. This is the work that was involved when they began to act. They're now seeing people following them. The disciples did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said this to them. Now Jesus is seeing loads of people come in. You'd think he'd be saying, right, set up, let's set up a church. Two, two to three services, look at the thousands following us. Let's get a church set up. Let's get the worship team set up. No, he doesn't. He says, come with me, let's get out of the way and get some rest. You don't find many people like that today. If they saw the, the multitudes come in, saying we're going to go and get some rest. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Get some rest. So they went. I'm sure they did. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now we know from reading the scriptures, it doesn't become very solitary when they start to search after them and find them. But the point of this is, is that Jesus has just as much desire for you to rest as to act. So when you act and he says, I want you to be doers of the word, he doesn't want you to be doers of the word 24 hours a day so that you kill yourself trying to do it, that you never stop. He says, I want you to rest as well. You know something? I've had a good rest over Christmas. I don't know about you. I've tried to stop and I've tried to rest. And do you know what? That is godly. You need to take time out and rest. Because when you rest, you will be far better. Your vessel will be ready for what God has intended you to do. I'm a great believer. I meet people here and they talk to me. People in our church, they'll say, I've been so busy. I've been doing this. And I went out on the streets. I've been doing X, Y, Z. I said, mate, I wouldn't come to the service on Tuesday night if I were you. What? Because I believe that sometimes people need to take some time out if they've done too much. But there are people who maybe don't do much and still don't want to get involved. Listen to me. I believe in rest when we're acting. It's good to rest. But it's also good to get into that quiet place with Jesus Christ. Do you know what he says? He doesn't say, go and find guys a place where it's a bit quiet. Do you know what he says? He says, come with me. Come with me. When was the last time you went with him? When was the last time when you woke up on the morning, you're running around and you've got your daily chores and you're back into the system of things again, that you, you hear that voice inside that says, come with me. Come with me. You know, just stop what you're doing. Come with me. So many of us don't go 
to that quiet place. We carry on driving and driving and driving. And we're going to get burnt out if we do that. They went away, verse 32, and it says they found a solitary place. Jesus was teaching what he did already. In Mark 1, verse 35, it says this of Jesus. Very early in the morning, this is Jesus. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He sets the example. He says, look, this is what you need to do. Mark some time out. Get some time in your diary where this is going to be your solitary place. I don't know about you, but have you tried to find that solitary place sometimes? I, I try a lot. And I've, I've, I've tried a few places, and I've gone into our front living room. We live quite close to a motorway, so thank goodness we've got double glazing. But I get in there, and I get into the place, and I'm ready to pray. And then all of a sudden, it just seems like the tiniest of noises irritate you. And then you're like, well, I need to shut the windows first. So I shut the windows to, dr- to get at the noise out. And then I can still hear another little noise. I can hear the pipes moving in the house. And it's like I can never, ever find this solitary place. I'm trying so hard. Then the mobile phone pings. Or I turned it off but it vibrates and I think, oh, I want to read that WhatsApp message. God, you don't know how important this one is. I really need to see this one. Facebook. Or the email. Can you believe we never had these things? So many things that distract us. I want to encourage you. Some of us need to actually... Get rid of some of this stuff. Get rid of the gadgets. Get them out of the room. Get into the quiet place. Let's make it uh, something essential for our lives to grow this year. To say, God, I'm going to mark some time out. I'm going to make my solitary place. Even if I have to get up early in the morning and I have to get up into the dark hours. Even if I've got to get out of the house and go somewhere. I want to find my solitary place. Because this is where they grow. This is where you get watered. And if you're complaining saying, I don't feel like I'm growing or moving in Christ. Have you looked at these things in your life? Check these things first. Jesus gives us some good advice for the solitary place. He says this, when you go and pray in your room, Matthew 6 verse 6. Go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do you know something? When we come out of the quiet place, out of the secret place, God rewards you. Some of us are saying today, I have not seen God bless me in 2016, and I'm still waiting for this. I'm still waiting for that. And we've got a list of complaints. But do you know what? We can't even remember the last time we spent time in the solitary place. We can't even remember the last time we said, God, do you know what? I spent time with you. God says, I will reward you. I'll reward you when you do this. So that you begin to learn that through relationship, you will grow and you will see me doing things in your life. But if you don't do these things, I'm going to teach you that you won't see that. You see, what happens is sometimes when we get frustrated and angry, what it does is it takes us to the quiet place. You're asking yourself today, why is it I'm getting angry with God? Why is it I'm feeling like this? What he's doing is he's driving you back to the, the beginning. He's driving you back to the place where it all began. He's driving you back to the place where you need to be. Some of us need to do that. And also get some rest. Do you know when I was younger, I, 
I used to be into weight training. I know some of you can't believe that, but I used to like weightlifting and things like that as a young lad. And my dad, I, had, I took over his garage with all the gear and I used to go in there all the time picking up weights and my sister's boyfriend, they used to do it. So he'd be teaching me what to do. And I always remember, I said, I want to be like you. He was older than me and I want to, I want to have the muscles and, and I want to do, do what you do. And he used to say this, don't do it every day. You need to make sure you do it for a few days and then rest. And I couldn't understand the mentality of that. I thought, I want to achieve what you've got, and I'm going to do it quick, so I'm going to do it every day. And I used to be there doing it every day, and what happens is this, the muscles never get time to relax. You see, the truth is this, that when you actually rest them, they're actually building. And some of us today, we're like that. We're saying, I've got to do this quick, and I'm going to do it every single day, and then we burn ourselves out. But actually the truth is that when you do something and then rest, in your resting period, you're actually building. You're actually growing in God. Number three, God requires our contribution. He requires what we have to give. Before Jesus multiplied that bread and that fish, what did he do? He asked them to provide. He said, you provide. So now we've got these disciples, these followers of Jesus who know that they can operate with power because we've seen that already. They were operating in power, casting demons out, healing people, that they believed in some supernatural power from Jesus. But then Jesus turns around and says this to them, you do it. You give them something to eat. You know what Jesus is saying to some of us today is this, that if you want to see supernatural provision, if you want to see God do something in your life and to grow you, then you're going to have to bring what you have first. You're going to have to bring what you have. He says this, verse 37, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. This is their reply. That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it them to eat? In other words, one thing they'd lost there is compassion. They said, this is half a year's wages. How many of us sometimes, we look at what we've got and we're counting its cost. We're saying, do you know... If I was to feed these people, we're looking at what God wants us to do. And we're saying, how can we do this? How can we achieve this? We haven't got enough money. But God requires our natural contribution for his supernatural intervention, doesn't he? When he does things, he needs what we have to bring. Our hearts sometimes, but also our provision. They had a provision. And in John 6, we see that this provision of the five loaves and two fish was actually from a little boy. And this little boy has this five loaves and two fish. I don't know about you, but I've, I've been thinking about this story. And they were in a remote place. The temperature was probably high. I'm not sure what these two fish and would have smelled like. But I don't think they would have had a thermos cool bag. They were in a remote place. The only thing that the disciples find when they look around is some young kid who's got five loaves and two fish. I find that hard to believe out of those thousands of people. But that's what they had. In a remote place, they find this smelly two fish 
in a Tupperware tin. Five loaves of bread that were probably rock solid hard. Do you know what? I believe that as they went and grabbed and they walked back and they said to the young boy and they got this, this bread and this fish. I reckon that the kind of conversation they were having is this. Do you know how on earth can we do anything with this? Let alone multiplication miracle. Who wants to multiply two smelly fish? Who wants to multiply this? We're in a remote place. This thing has not been looked after very well. And they bring it to Jesus. Some of you today are saying in your hearts, I, what I have to give, is just not good enough. The fish I've got, the things I've got to offer is just not good enough. People are not interested in what I've got to bring. Listen to me. Whatever you have to bring, God can do something with it. It doesn't matter how small it is to you, how smelly and how bad it looks. Listen, whatever you can bring, God has the power to turn your offering into something unique and special and a miracle. And I believe for you today, there are some people here who said, I just, I've not got anything to bring. I've got this little gift and I've got these gifts and I could bring this to the, to the table. But listen to me, whatever you have to bring, you need to bring. Because this is what will instigate the supernatural power and the working of God and the growth in your life. You've got to bring it first. You've got to believe in your offering. You've got to believe in what you've got. I remember years ago when I was younger, I was going on a school trip. And my mum used to send me off and every single time she would put egg sandwiches in my box. I'd get onto the coach. Everyone said, what sandwiches have you got? I didn't dare open the container because of the smell. It would permeate through the coach. This particular day I went, I'll never forget it because it scarred me for life. I was deciding whether to wear Bermuda shorts or trousers for a school trip. And I put on Bermuda shorts and then my mum told me she got me the egg, the usual egg sandwiches. Just been done that morning so the heat of the egg was still in the sandwich, nice and steaming out. And I arrived onto this coach and walked down. And I, I can remember it to this day as I arrived onto this coach with my Bermuda shorts at school. Not one person had a pair of shorts on. And I walked on there and I sat on there with my shorts and thought, I don't even open this, this bag today. Some of us sometimes... We're scared of what people might think if we bring what we've got. We're scared and we're embarrassed. We're shy. We don't bring and say, I've got this to bring. So we keep quiet. And do you know what? You'll never grow when you do that. You've got to say, I've got this. Because I'm a great believer in whatever you've got, however small it seems to you, God's going to use it. And it's what's going to help you to grow. And it's what's going to bring supernatural growth. Amen? God can use the smallest things. We should also give with what we have. I believe in financially giving, and I've said this for many years. I'm a great believer since the day I got saved in giving. Do you know that tithing, you read the Bible and people trying to find whether tithing and giving is something that we legally need to do, and it becomes this legal thing. The Bible, the New Testament says nothing of a legal requirement that you should tithe. Did you know that? It doesn't say nothing about a legal requirement that you're going to have to give to do it. But listen, when it comes from the heart, you want to give. Do you know what? I don't know about you, but I'm excited that I have the opportunity to give. I meet so many people questioning, what should I give? How should I give? What amount should I give? Look, give with your heart. 
do what your heart tells you to do. Because I believe the Holy Spirit leads us to give. And we see in the Bible, those who saw great provision are the ones who gave away first. My mum told me all my years growing up, you cannot afford not to tithe. I ignored her. For, when I was younger, I said, That's, that, the equations don't add up. It can't add up. I've watched my parents all my life tell me the same thing. Give. Give it away. You'll see it come back in. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters. One day it will come back to you. Some of us, you know, the enemy comes in and he tries to tell us, don't believe that. You know you need that thing. You know you want to buy that thing. You want to move to that bigger house. If you do that, then you won't have the money to do it. Listen to me. There are sacrifices that you have to make. But when you make the sacrifices for Jesus Christ, he will take you into his will. He will show you that he's in control. It's the way to grow. Some of us are saying, I need to grow. I need this and I need that. You don't need anything. You just need Jesus. You just need him. He is the source. Jehovah Jireh. Your provider. Not the one who has nothing to give. He has everything to give you. If he created you, don't you think he has the ability to sustain you? I want to encourage you, if you don't tithe, I'm not telling you you've got to do anything, but I'm encouraging you, get into the place of devotion and say to God, I want to give, I want to support, I want to give into the kingdom of God. I love it, me. Do you know why? Because I've always seen that God's looked after us. Every time. Every time. Tithing is something we get to do. Malachi 3 verse 10 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I hope you find that there's food in this house. I hope you find that what we're doing here is bringing food and giving you the milk you need to become fat enough to go and work and do put this into action. We bring it in to the house. And then what does it say? God says this. Because he knows that some people are a little bit worried about this. He says, test me. I know that you don't, but test me. In this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to contain it. In other words, he says, test me. Test me and I'll prove myself. You don't need me to tell you. Just test him. And you will see that he will bring that provision. Number four and finally is this. That God requires our submission. He requires our submission. For us to grow, we need to submit to his will and direction in our lives. We read earlier in Mark 6 verse 39, it says this. This is now that he's just got them together and he said, look, you've got, you've given your offering, you've given what you've got. I know it doesn't seem much, but listen now. He didn't just grab the bread and the fish and wave his hands above it and then everyone was fed. No, he didn't do that. This is what it says next in verse 39. Then Jesus directed them. In other words, they were directed to do the things that he instructed them to do. 
Jesus is in the business of saying, you bring your offering, but then you've got to listen to my instructions. Listen to my guidance. Don't just expect everything to happen when you just bring your offering. If you bring your offering, then listen to what I want you to do. He says this, to have all the people sit down in groups on the grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. I find it interesting that Jesus thanks God before he produces this miracle. He shows an example of praying and thanking for the small things before he's about to see the big things. Some of us sometimes are not thankful enough of the small things in our lives. We've got to be thankful for everything we have. But he directed them. There was a a set of instructions. And some of us today, we don't want to live by God's directions. We're saying, oh God, I'll do your work I'll bring my offering, I'll bring the little I've got, but if you tell me to do that, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because it doesn't support what I want to do. I'm not sure about that, God. I I don't like the way that you're saying fifties and hundreds and putting people in groups like that. I think it'd be far better to do it another way. Oh, I, I think we should just do it this way and wave our hands and then everyone just gets fed. Why do we need to walk around everyone feeding them, God? Some of us have those kind of attitudes that we we do everything else, but we don't want to do the things, the little things Jesus is then asking us to do. We like it's, It's easy, you see, to put your offering in, but when he says to you, I want you to do something that is hard for you, it's sacrificial for you, it's tough. And I want to encourage you today that sometimes you've got to surrender the driving seat to him. You've got to give him everything, full control. Of your life. Just before Christmas we were on Parker's Peace and the kids wanted to go on all the rides and they said we want to go on the bumper cars. And we went on these bumper cars and it's so expensive these days isn't it just for the the amount of time that we were on there about two minutes for I don't know eight pounds or whatever. And we get on and the problem was is that I had our bags with us with our our wallets and things in and I said "If, if we go on this how are we going to look after the bags? So we put the bags in this position where no one who approached the thing could see the, the bumper cars. We get on the bumper cars, we put the money in, and, then, and, and Lewis has got his seatbelt on. And Lewis is saying to me, Dad, I want to drive. And I'm thinking, I don't want you to drive. I want to drive because I want some fun. But also, I don't want to bump into anyone. I want to avoid everyone. And so at one point, we're driving around. And I've got my eye on the bag, and at first I'm driving, and then he says, let me drive. So he starts to drive this little vehicle, and we're going around, and he's bumping into mum. And, and, and I'm looking at the bags all the time, then all of a sudden, the man who's running the thing picks all our bags up and shifts them while we're driving around and puts them in a position where the whole of the place can see them. Now you can imagine for me now, I've lost control. He's got the steering wheel, he's driving around, I've got my eye on these bags, I'm just looking at them. I can't concentrate. And we began to crash into things. And Emma's saying, what are you doing? Take control. And I'm saying, look, our bags. And she's, I'm trying to shout across. She couldn't understand what I was saying. Then a group of people walked up. I'm watching that they don't steal them. I was thinking, how am I going to get out of this thing fast enough to chase them out of here? Now, some of us are like this. We give control of the steering wheel to Jesus. We let him drive. We let him make some of the turns for us and we say, I'm going to give you full control. But sometimes our eye is on something else. 
We've not fully given control. We've given the steering wheel, but actually our eyes are on some of the things, our treasures in our lives. And what we're doing is we're looking at those things still. We've not really given him full control. I want to encourage you today, give him everything. When you give him the steering wheel, give him your eyes as well. Everything that you are. But I want to just bring this scripture that I really felt the Lord just to encourage us and just to kind of finish off on today. And I just really felt the Lord speak to me about it. It's something we've read many, many times. But in John chapter 15, verse 5, it says this, I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then he says this, and it rang so loud in my heart when I read it, and I've read it lots of times. Apart from me, you can't do nothing. Apart from me, nothing. There are some people here today that are trying to do things themselves. Some people who've pushed Jesus to the side. He's no longer the source, the true vine. He says this, apart from me, you can't do anything. I want to encourage you today, as we move into this year, if you want to grow and bear much fruit, you need to be in the vine. You need to get back to the true source. You need to come back to that place where he is primary. He is number one. He is everything to you. That actually... Finances, problems, challenges, difficulties in our marriages, whatever we're bringing and carrying into 2017. Truth is this. Jesus says, I want to I walk with you because I am the true vine. Because apart from me, son, daughter, you can't do anything. The enemy's biggest tactic is to say you can do it without him. It's to suggest you can. But I want to encourage you today to get back into the vine. Get back into that place where Jesus is the center. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye